the season started and we've actually gotten to experience game days here and the buzz around the city uh, with fans and, you know, it, it goes further than to say like, you know, people recognize people on the street, that's okay. But like, I think it's really cool when you're like driving down a neighborhood and you see like a flag outside someone's house or like a car magnet on the highway. And uh, that for me has been probably the best part because it's cool to be part of an exciting project and have the club be excited, but to have the whole city behind you is something else. Welcome to the City Voice podcast. I am joined by a very special guest today. Welcome to the show, Tim Parker, Vice Captain of St. Louis City SC. Yeah, thank you for having me on. No problem. Um, before we get into the show, we have a bit of a tradition. We ask some quick fire questions. The only rule is you have to be honest and fast with your answer. Uh, so the first question, do you have a social media burner account? No. Is it Lieutenant General Tim Parker? I wish I did. I wish I was clever enough to come up with that. Uh, lake boat or beach boat? Lake. Golf handicap? Maybe 12th. Dog or cat? Dog. Most lavish gift you've ever bought your dog? Oh, uh, for his birthdays, I usually cook a mistake. Nice. Favorite place to vacation? Uh, most recently, my wife and I went to Anguilla, and we really liked that. Lovely. Best player you've ever played against? Uh, Kylian Mbappe. That's nice. It's a good one. That's nice. <laughs> uh, most cutting insult you've ever received on the pitch on a kind of PG level? Um, I mean, the, the gingers have no soul always kind of hurts. So that one always, that one comes up probably once a year. If you were a dinosaur, which one would it be? Uh, a T-Rex. Toasted ravs or gooey butter cake? Uh, toasted ravs. I don't think I've had gooey butter cake. Take a note. Uh, best away day in MLS? Um, probably cities that I've played in. So I, I enjoy going to Vancouver. Um, playing away in Vancouver is usually pretty nice. But in terms of a stadium, uh, the best environments, uh, Portland and Seattle are up there as well. Your go-to coffee order? Uh, iced vanilla latte. Keep it simple. And where's your favorite St. Louis coffee shop so far? Uh, so far, there's a place right around the corner for me, Colleen's. That's pretty nice and it's just convenient for me and my wife to go over there. And uh, your wife works in PR. Does she check your tweets before you post? Not my tweets, but definitely my emails. She makes sure my grammar is correct in my emails that I have to send out. That's great. Okay, so we're going to get into the podcast. First place we start is uh, growing up in the game. Um, tell us um, where you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up in Long Island, New York, a small town called Hicksville. Um, I started playing soccer when my brother did. So my brother's a year and a half older than me. So when he started playing soccer at like three, I'm pretty sure my parents just kind of threw me out there with him. Well, um, th how old is your brother? Can I miss you? My brother is 31 turning 32. Did you get to play together growing up? Uh, we played in high school together, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, when did you realize that you wanted to make a, a career out of the game? Um, not until I really went to college. You know, I was kind of one of those kids that always said, like, I want to play professional soccer, but uh, it didn't really come to a realization until I went to college and my college coaches were like, we think you can actually make it. Like, let's put you on a path to graduate early so that when you're done with your senior season, you can go into the draft. Um, you went to Hicksville High School. Uh, it sounds like you had a pretty uh, exciting career there. Did you 
did you start as a center back? Um, in high school, no. Uh, in high school, I, I always tried to play like uh, different positions just to have a little bit more fun. Um, just because always outside of school, I was always playing center back. So when I went to Hicks High School, played uh, soccer there, I played forward, midfielder, outside back uh, my freshman year. So I played a couple different positions. They have a goal machine, right? Scored 25 my, goals. My senior year, yeah, I was on fire. 25 goals and eight assists, I think. I yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a record. I'm not quoting that, but I'm pretty sure it is. So you were the, the New York Boys Soccer Player of the Year. Um, did that accolade give you a lot of choice when making your next move? Um, it did and it didn't. Uh, I had committed to St. John's prior to my senior year, um, but it definitely was a really cool accolade. You know, I grew up with um, some soccer players, I'd say, but not a whole lot. So a lot of my friends were football and lacrosse players. So when I got that accolade, it was kind of like uh, almost a little bit of a justification of like, yeah, I'm kind of good at soccer and like, they kind of started to respect it a little bit. So the um, listening to some of your interviews elsewhere, um, education is quite important to you. Has that always been a theme of, of you growing up? Yeah. I mean, my parents definitely um, stressed education. My brother is actually a teacher now. So um, education has always been stressed. I haven't always been the best student, but I've always enjoyed learning new things and especially things that I'm interested about. So when I went to St. John's, um, I decided to go into business as a background and then ended up majoring in finance just because with the relativity to New York City, I thought that that was kind of a no-brainer in terms of if I didn't play soccer after college, that getting a job in New York City, being from a New York school would be pretty easy. And you were at um, St. John's for four seasons. Yes, yeah. And you eventually became the captain was leadership something that you sought out or is it something that found you as a player? It kind of found me. Um, I think just from an early age, I kind of had that a little bit instilled in me. Um, my dad was my coach when I was a kid. So I think that that kind of pushed a little bit more responsibility on me. Um, and then, yeah, from an early age, I was usually the, the captain of certain teams, you know, growing up. And it was a responsibility and kind of an honor that I always enjoyed having. Lutz takes great pride in um, our academy. Like if players don't make it to the next step, then they get places uh, like, you know, famous colleges around the country. Um, how important is it that players like you come out of the system in the back end and get contracts? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You know, I think it is changing a little bit now from when, when I went to college and kind of played. Um, I think obviously with the development academies now, there's such a pathway for kids to develop at earlier ages and then get to experience more things and have, uh, I mean, to be really just around the game all the time. So it is different to see guys not going to college and getting those first team deals. But for me, I mean, college was vital. It was vital for my kind of growth as a player and as a person. And you, you played for uh, teams with some fantastic names. <laughs> The Brooklyn Italians yep. and the Long Island Rough Riders. Like, what did that do for your development? What was that? Was that to, is that playing with with older guys? Or like, what's the... Yeah, so the, I'll start with the Long Island Rough Riders because that was the team I played with first, um, who also has an incredible, like, alumni network of, like, players that have played there. Um, 
So being part of like that kind of network of guys is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things, Long Island, everyone from there kind of knows each other, especially in the sports world. So like if you play soccer on Long Island, you know older guys, younger guys, and somehow everyone stays connected. So playing PDL with them, it was like when the summers were off, you kind of got to go back home, you know, go back to your parents' house, and then you would play once once a week in, in a game. You'd train twice a week. So it was kind of like very low-key. But the sessions were always good because it was good players. So it was really cool to play for them. And then the Brooklyn Italians, uh, I didn't really fit in well there, but uh, it was such a cool experience. You know, I mean, I have... Uh, I say that because like, I'm like a, obviously a bright red Irish kid playing for an Italian team that we used to wear. We, I swear we wore like pink jerseys. We like did the full on Italian thing. It was really, really cool. Um, the people there were great. And that was another situation where like after college, um, in the summer seasons, like I would go back and play. So it was kind of just a different kind of level, like a different level. They were different leagues. So it was kind of just a little bit of a change up. So then we like, we moved to the professional game. Like you were the 13th pick for the MLS super draft. Like how thrilled were you to get a deal with a professional club? And like, was there an expectation that was coming? Do you kind of get like the, the rumblings before the people are looking at you? Yeah. I mean, draft day was pretty special for sure. Um, but then I actually, my senior season at St. John's, we only won like four games. So we had a really bad year. So I didn't know where my expectations were going to be come draft day. Um, the combine, I got invited to the combine and tested really well. So it kind of went from like, I kind of went from like an under the table guy, I guess that people knew about, but then I tested really well and did stuff, uh, pretty well at the combine. So then I kind of jumped up the ranks pretty quickly and, uh, it turned out that, you know, I was one of those guys that I was like, yeah, if I get drafted, you know, I want to have like a draft party back home in Hicksville, you know? go to a bar with my friends and like sit there and watch it. Um, but I ended up signing a pre-contract with the league. So I had to go to the draft. Um, and there was rumblings for sure. Like a, bun a couple of teams had called my agent and they were like, yeah, we're going to take him if he's there. I think it was like Chicago had like six and they passed. And then it was Columbus and Vancouver were the two next teams. And then um, I remember joking around about this, but Vancouver took a timeout during the pick and my agent's texting me and he's like, oh, they're trading you away. Like they're, they're skipping on you or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll just see. And, uh, then they obviously picked me and I was with my, uh, mom and dad at the time. And I was thrilled. Even a couple of my friends from New York drove down to Philly for the draft. So it was pretty cool. Um, and then I ended up giving, uh, Robo, who was the coach in Vancouver at the time, stick about it. I was like, why'd you take the Why'd you take the time out? Were you thinking about giving me away or what? Did they, did he tell you? Uh, yeah. I mean, he would always joke. I could never take what he said seriously because yeah. he, he had a good sense of humor, but, um, he said that like he, they got offered money for the, for the pick or whatever, but they ended up saying no. So you're, you spend most of your life on the East coast mm -hmm. and then you have to ship everything over to Vancouver. Did you know much about Vancouver? Um, at, and like, is that a daunting prospect for, you know, when you've got your, your, your network and your, your family base at home? Yeah, it was, it was actually a running joke my senior year that I would get drafted to Vancouver just because it was like the farthest place from New York. None of us knew anything about the city. So they're like, oh, you're going to go to Vancouver. I was like, ah, shut up. Like you guys don't know anything. 
And then of course it ends up happening. Um, I remember my dad, when I got picked, he just like kind of pulled up a map and he was like, that was actually the farthest place you could go from New York. Oh, if I yeah, imagine it out. measured it out. Um, but I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it. Um, didn't really know much about the MLS, especially the West division, just because at the time, you know, being in New York, I wasn't staying up late to watch games, especially being in college. And when you move there, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Like, were you like, oh, wow, this, this, this feels like home straight away. Or did it take a bit of time to adapt? At first it sucked. Yeah. At first it sucked. Cause as everyone knows, like MLS starts in January. So if anyone's familiar with like the Northwest of North America, like Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, it's all gray and rainy until like May or June. <laughs> so like when I first got there, it was just raining. The sun didn't come out and I was like, this place sucks. And all people have told me is that it's beautiful. So it took me a while to warm up to Vancouver for sure. Do you get roomed with somebody or is it you're here, go and find an apartment or like, how does it, how does it work? Or did you travel with uh, a partner? Yeah. So it works. Um, when I first moved to Vancouver, um, because I had pre-signed with the league, I was basically like kind of guaranteed a roster spot. So I had a, a roommate at first, we stayed in a Vancouver trains at UBC. So we stayed in a dorm on campus at first before I ended up fine, uh, moving into the team housing. So they have like an apartment building there that guys end up moving into. So I moved in pretty quick just cause I had a situation lined up. Um, and then it's, it was pretty cool. You know, a lot of the young guys, especially at that time, a lot of the guys lived there in that building, but everyone had their own apartment. So it was kind of like a big dorm building in an aspect anyway. Nice. When you went to, to train with the team for the first time, did you train with the first team? Um, and you played a few games for the two team. Like how did, how did that work? And what was there, did you feel the difference in quality? And yeah, there was definitely, so when I first trained with the first team, um, I was there before the preseason started technically, just cause some guys weren't showing up, um, until they really had to. So I wanted to go there and obviously get my kind of like feet wet in the city, get organized to some degree before everything started up. And there was a couple pre-sessions with like some of the guys that had been there a while or their families lived there. So they kind of just stayed there in the off season. And it was really, I mean, it was daunting at first for sure. Cause you feel like you have something to prove but you don't want to overstep. So you're kind of just like, you know, your personality doesn't come to show right away for sure. And then I was probably with the first team from all of preseason, but then when preseason ended and games started, uh, that's kind of obviously when I went down to the two team to get some games. And do you get like a, a like a mentor where they're like the older players that sort of put an arm around the shoulder? Like who, who, um, who helped you through that process and like transitioning into the professional game? Yeah. So, uh, there was two guys, Pa Muduka, who was kind of like my mentor. I'd like to say when I first came into the league, he was in Vancouver and they had, they had signed him the same, the same year I was drafted. So they kind of signed him with the, I'd like to think the idea that he would teach me and that I'd take over for him. So he kind of started the whole year and throughout the whole year, you know, he would take me out to dinner. He'd coach me after training. He'd go over things with me. Um, and we got along really well and he still actually coaches. He's coaching in Charlotte now. 
but um he 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 definitely kept me involved in the role and he would go over a lot of stuff like I said and then I got my break when he got hurt and they thought I was ready and now you're working with a lot of young players that are coming through at City do you spend time with players like Miggy and do you sort of impart the wisdom that you were given when you first started out yeah I try to you know I think for a lot of the young guys now it's a it's a little bit of a different scenario like I said just because I feel like they've been involved in around or involved with the first team um but I mean it's definitely just as important for me with a lot of the experiences that I have to kind of shed some light for these guys as well and uh Jake Lewinsky played there as well came a little bit later than you um how did that relationship start and are you excited to be playing with him every week here yeah yeah I mean uh it started pretty quick just because when when I was in Vancouver when I found out we drafted another east coast guy I was like it was a another American guy and then it just so happened to be an east coast guy as well uh I was stoked you know so um once he got out to Vancouver you know we started hanging out pretty pretty right away um there wasn't that many of us out there so uh we had like a small group of American guys that definitely got along and you scored your first ever MLS goal against Sporting KC. Um, I think um, our PR guy said it was six six years ago. I don't know whether there's a, there's an it's very close to the anniversary. <laughs> to, the anniversary will be very close to when we played Sporting KC. Um, do you ever think about that? And yeah, given the context of where we are now, um, no, I haven't. I mean, to. To be fair, I, d I haven't scored that many goals, but it would be pretty cool if that was the case that six years to the day that I could score again, that's for sure. Um, you played the uh, Champions League um, out there. You got to a semifinal. Like, what's it like testing your skills against other teams, uh, like teams outside the league? Like, is, is that something that you are hoping to get here? Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's an eye-opener. You know, I think... You see it now with a lot of MLS teams that get the opportunity to play in Champions League, to go to other countries, to play in tough environments. You know, I mean, we had to go down to Honduras. Um, we had a Honduran team come up to us. And then that year we ended up playing Tigres in Mexico. What was the atmosphere like? I mean, it was awesome. It was incredible. You know, I think those are the kind of moments that like as a young player, you don't appreciate as much at the time, maybe because of nerves or because, you know, you're just so focused at the game. But when you look back on those moments, uh, they mean a lot because a lot of guys don't get those kind of opportunities. Um, you played 76 times for the first team. Like, if you're thinking about your whole experience there, like, what, what is there like one key lesson that you're like, that's, that's what I took from, from my first experience as an MLS player? Um, yeah, you know, I think there was one time I played a back pass and uh, Kendall lost. It didn't actually get there because we used to play on turf. So it didn't skip all the way back to the goalie. And uh, Kendall Watson had to take a red card for it. Uh, he ended up like going back and cleaning the guy out. And I remember going to the locker room. I was like, Kendall, I'm so sorry. Like that'll never happen again. He's like, it's okay. He used to call me Ginger. He's like, it's okay, Ginger. It's okay, big man. That's, uh, that's really nice. Did, would you take a red card for somebody? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your next move takes you uh, back home ish so you get your move to uh, New York Revel 
how did that come about? And, uh, you know, tell us how exciting that must have been to get on a plane and go to the furthest point back. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, there was a lot leading up to the move. Um, it had been a long off season in terms of, uh, when I was in Vancouver at that time, you know, I was young. Um, I was starting to play a lot with the team and I was going into my, like the last year of my contract. So I was like, look, like I want to stay here and make Vancouver home, which I feel like is kind of normal. Um, but things ended up going, halting, stopping. So contracts kind of got in the way of me staying in Vancouver. And when I was being traded, um, a really cool, like one of the best things I think that's ever kind of happened was the relationship I had with Carl Robinson at the time was really open. So when I was being traded, there was no really bad blood between me and him. He understood being a player himself, where I was coming from. And he kind of basically told me, he was like, look, like you're in a spot where you want to go somewhere that's going to reward you for your play. And he was like, and I am in a spot that I need to get something in return for you. And he's like, and I need to know that if I can't get that, that you'll still play for me. And I was like, Robo, I will like, but you have to know that like, I don't want to, but I'll play like if, if that's the case, unless another deal pops up. So then the trade ended up happening with New York Red Bull, which was like obviously an amazing situation for me to go back home and be near my family and friends. And I remember like calling a couple of my buddies back home and I had like the Frank Sinatra New York song blasting in my apartment when I got traded. And that's how they would like open up the FaceTime, uh, especially one of my buddies, Brandon, who I ended up living with in New York when I got back there. So he was like, he was like, no way it happened. And I was like, I'm coming like screaming it on the phone. Um, so it was really, I mean, to go back home and to have a couple of years there to uh, be around my family and friends, which as an athlete, you don't really know if you'll ever get the opportunity to play in front of your family and friends, especially in your home market. So that was really cool. And the sort of the city uh, Marvel universe started to happen at that point because there was an assistant coach there called Bradley Carnell. Yeah. Um, do coaches make impressions on you early? Do you kind of have your eyesight and did you, when you, when, what were your first impressions of Bradley? Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. So when I went back to Red Bull, obviously Jesse Marsh was the head coach. <clears throat> Chris Armis was the assistant coach and I had played for Chris as a kid and Chris is from Long Island. So I knew Chris pretty well. And then there was this other guy, Bradley. So obviously having somewhat of a relationship with Chris, then I ended, I wanted to understand who Bradley was too. And that's kind of how the relationship started. And it was a, a pretty successful tenure you had there. You made playoffs and the MLS cup final. Um, talk to me about, um, like that experience of, of being with a team that's on a march like that. Yeah. Um, the first year I got there was 2018 when we won supporter shield and set the record in points. So it was like kind of like the best start, uh, the best start to a tenure that you could have. And it was a lot of fun. You know, I think obviously winning, winning is fun. But like I said, when I was able to be around my family, around my friends and on a winning team, it kind of all just came to, came together. Did a, did a lot of friends pass through to, to watch you play? Yeah. Yeah. My dad, um, kind of similar to how I was, where I was very lucky to realize the opportunity that not everyone gets to play in front of my 
like my home friends and family. My dad did too. So he used to organize uh, like party buses kind of from Hicksville to Red Bull Arena. Yeah. Um, some went really well. Some, some probably had too much fun. <laughs> the New York way. Um, so you, you ended up moving to Houston Dynamo. Dynamo. You were made a, you made a co-captain, but you eventually just took the, took the whole thing. Um, talk to me about, um, moving to Texas. What was, what was that like? Yeah, that's one I didn't know about. Um, so I got, I was at my wife's house down in Florida, uh, for off season, kind of just got a phone call and was told that I was getting traded to Houston. Um, and it was kind of a shock, you know, it's, it's always a shock when you don't know what kind of moves are happening. So, um, but again, I didn't necessarily know Tab Ramos at the time. I knew his name and I knew that we had, uh, similar backgrounds and similar friends. So he was from Jersey and I was from New York. So there was a lot of, uh, people like I knew a lot of people that knew him. He knew a lot of people that knew me. So when I moved down there, I understood who I was going to be playing for. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a shock and it was, uh, it was a lot at the time. Is there, um, you know, you moved to, you're, you're on the coasts and it has, you know, they have proper winters. The summers can be hot, but they're not that bad, but nothing really compares to a, a Houston summer. Yeah. Like, is, is there an element of adapting to that? Like, what's it like being in a, in a stadium that hot and it's home? Yeah, it's, it's brutal. You know, um, I mean, the heat is something else, but obviously when it's that, when it's around for that long, I think there is a certain point where you might get used to it, but nothing, you don't really get used to playing in it, if that makes sense. So yeah. like you can get used to like the 85, 90 degree days, but you don't get used to running around when it's like a hundred degrees. I don't think anyone ever really does. No, it would be interesting to see how you feel about the summers here. They get a little bit spicy yeah. sometimes. And um, so, uh, like shifting on to, uh, the present Bradley Carnell gets the job at St. Louis city. You've heard that name before. You know who that guy is. Uh, talking of Marvel, do you start to get some spidey senses? Are you are you thinking about him? Are you on a WhatsApp group? Are you sending him DMs? Are you liking his Instagram posts? Like, what what happens in a situation like that? What, well, what happened in your situation? Yeah, so it's really funny. Like, when Brad got the job, when Brad didn't get the job in New York, I kind of told him, I was like, Brad, I think you deserve the job. Like, I thought he deserved the job. I thought he did really well when he took over as the head coach in New York. And, you know, he kind of was just like, yeah, you know, it's not my time. Like, I'll get my time. And then fast forward a year and a half, right? Uh, he gets the job here. And I was like, I kind of said to Kelsey at the time, I was like, you know, Brad got the job at St. Louis. Like, and she was like, no, stop. Don't say it. I don't want to move again. Like, and I was like, okay, fine. I was like, I won't, I won't bring it up again. And then... Fast forward another couple like months is when John Gasparoni, who I worked with at Red Bull as well, took the job here. And he was like, he was like, we're building something here. It'll be pretty cool. And I was like, I was like, yeah, Gaspy. Like I, like I've always enjoyed Gaspar, Gasparoni and talking with him, working with him. So I was like, oh yeah, like pretty cool. And then of course, fast forward again, um, I'm on my bachelor party. And that's when I get the phone call that I got traded here. And um, who who makes the phone call? Um, so basically the team that you were on first tr calls you and lets you know that 
they're trading you away. And then you get the second phone call from the upcoming team. Was it Lutz or Bradley? It was Bradley first, and then Lutz jumped on the phone. And did, uh, did, did they sell you on the project or because you work with Bradley and you understand that sort of system, you already know what's coming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I fully expected Brad to play exactly how we're playing just because of my experience with him at Red Bull. And, um, you know, they told me a lot about the players they have, the players that are coming in, what they, what they envisioned. But I was kind of like excited to get back to the Red Bull way of playing. Do you have any, um, you know, you're obviously extremely experienced. Do you get nervous about uh, a new move? Is there any sort of trepidation or does it help going into a system that you know and you're like, this will feel like home? Yeah, there's definitely some comfortability about going into a system that you know, but there's also the unknown of like going into a locker room with guys that you don't know. So like when I came here, the only guy I really knew was Jake Nerwinski. Apart from that, I didn't know anyone else in the locker room. So it's kind of like a prove it point as well. So you played with four clubs in the MLS now. Um, how does your experience stack up here? It's been amazing. You know, I think I said it when, uh, in one of the interviews when I first got here in terms of facilities. Um, now that the season started and we've actually gotten to experience game days here and the buzz around the city uh, with fans and, you know, it, it goes further than to say like, you know, People recognize people on the street. That's okay. But like, I think it's really cool when you're like driving down a neighborhood and you see like a flag outside someone's house or like a car magnet on the highway. And uh, that for me has been probably the best part because it's cool to be part of an exciting project and have the club being excited, but to have the whole city behind you is something else. Do you think that your game is quite suited to the St. Louis audience. I mean, you are adored in this stadium. Everyone loves, uh, loves watching you in the pitch. Um, does it, does it feel nice to get that adoration from 22 and a half thousand fans every week, knowing that they're backing you and, and that they love your style? Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, I think when I came here and the player I've always kind of tried to be is like a blue collar guy that kind of like wears his heart on his sleeve. And I've never tried to stray away from that. So um, whether that's been liked or not liked or hated in opposing stadiums, I don't really care. Um, it's more about kind of the guys on the field and then having the backing of the fans is always a good thing as well. One of the, I mean, people's, there's a, two characteristics of your game. Like the first one is that you play hard and um, like people know that you're there, but your range of passing is, is really impressive. Do you like playing in a system that kind of like puts the center backs? I mean, Bradley says, you know, we have center backs that, that can play with the ball because you are your key to the build up and the attack. Do you like being in a system where you've got the ball at your feet a lot? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it gives you a little bit more responsibility. It gives you a little bit more of an influence on the game as well. So you want to be on the ball. Do I want to be like a Maldini in the back? No, but I definitely enjoy being on the ball and being able to help the team create. And... You, know, you mentioned the dressing room. You had it's a prove it moment coming in. Like, what have you made of this squad of players um, in their first year? And like, what's what's impressed you that maybe surprised you at the same time? I think what's impressed me the most is truly how how well everyone kind of gets along. 
You know, it's, it's very rare that you kind of pull a bunch of guys from a bunch of different places and kind of throw them into a locker room and everyone seemingly gets, gets together well. But here, I mean, we do have a lot of fun and it's one of the, one of the conversations I've had with Klaus is, you know, win, lose, draw, training's bad, training's good. He's like, I gen, like we genuinely enjoy being around each other and that makes the entire environment better because I've been on winning teams, I've been on losing teams. Um, and when you can win and be together, it's great. But when you can also lose and be together, it's even better. So uh, that's definitely something that has impressed and surprised me here. And then even more uh, surprising is uh, some of the talent that we have in the locker room that's kind of gone under the radar. You know, I think Lutz and Brad have done a great job of identifying guys that not necessarily didn't make it in Europe, but didn't get the opportunities that maybe they really wanted and now have the opportunity to come here and really make the most of it. So you're playing with a lot of European players. Um, it is very different playing in MLS. I think um, there's a statistic doing the round that the average Premier League club will travel 6,000 miles a season, average MLS club 38,000. Um, outside of travel, are there things that, that you have to talk to the players about that are new to the league that are maybe surprises to them can i say the refs yeah <laughs> uh yeah you know i think guys i mean it's tough i mean i've i i know every ref now but uh guys originally uh get taken back by the refs because some refs here um to be honest they'll tell you to shut up they'll tell you to go away like they have a little bit of an arrogance about them some of them you have to sugarcoat to like get, get close to them, you know? So, uh, definitely some of the guys are surprised by the refs. I think obviously we've seen it already having to play on turf for some of those European guys is a new, is a new concept, the travel, like you mentioned, and then the constant kind of change. So how you can play here in March and it be 30 degrees, and then you can go down to Houston two weeks later and it be 80 degrees. Then you go to Colorado or Salt Lake and it's elevation and snow. So there's like a different, uh, obviously you have all different landscapes and demographics here as well. So you are um, vice captain um, and you're part of a, a leadership group at the club. Like how, um, how does that feel to be part of that group? And like, what does your role as, as vice captain entail? Yeah, you know, um, for the leadership group, it's, it's really cool to be a part of. You know, I think just getting a couple of guys that have been around the game for a long time, their opinions on certain matters, and we kind of hold that kind of decision-making for the rest of the team. So it's it's really an honor to be a part of that group that the team kind of votes for those guys. And then, yeah, for the vice captain, it's like I, I've said it before, it's one of those things where vice captain or captain it's one of those where you're honored to be in that position but it doesn't really change what you do on the day-to-day -day basis you know it's kind of one of those things that we talked about earlier in terms of leadership it's like you don't necessarily have to try to be a leader it's kind of sometimes it's given to you as a gift and you kind of have to take it for what it is viewing the game and this team as a fan looks like there are a lot of leaders on the pitch like nobody hides like is that a is that a reality in the dressing room? Is it, uh, does it feel like quite a strong dressing room from that perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely always people talking in the dressing room. 
um, whether that's joking around or playing uh, tricks on one another or whatnot. But yeah, there's definitely guys that like to have voices. And there's a rumor that you run a sauna club. <laughs> Is this true? And um, what business gets done? Yeah, we we have a sauna club, but uh, the sauna hasn't worked for the last like week or so. So we're we're trying to get that up and running again. We got sauna hats and everything. Sauna hats. Yeah, I didn't know these were a real thing, but I bought them on Amazon. Yeah, and you basically dunk them into like cold water, and then you go into the sauna with the hats on, and they're supposed to like keep you a little bit cooler, but still kind of feel the full effects of the sauna. So it's basically keeping your head cold. It's an interesting, I mean, to be fair, I bought them for like three of the guys for on Amazon and it was fun at first, but yeah. we haven't gotten to use them in a while. But yeah, the sauna is also just one of those things after training. We try to do it like twice a week where there's like four or five of us that go in there and sit in there. Is, uh, is the leadership group, are you the sort of leadership group that um, issues fines uh, to, to players? And uh, who is the collector? Who is the debt collector of the club? I'm currently the debt, the debt collector. Uh, there has been a challenge for power as of late. You know, Ben Lunt thinks that there has to be someone between me and the fine group. Um, he's not going to get that unless he takes it to court. Yeah. And I've explained this to Ben that if he wants to take a fine to court, that the whole locker room gets together and we vote whether the fine is guilty or innocent or voided. It's like but quite democratic. But if he's found guilty, it's double. So it's a risk if you take it to court or you just kind of pay your fine and move on and realize that you did something wrong. And what sort of, I mean, obviously don't throw Ben under the bus here, but what sort of things do that merit fines in the dressing room? Yeah, there's, um, for example, like if you add your boots on in the dressing room, because we're fortunate enough to have like a boot room, yeah. we don't want you to wear, wear your cleats inside the locker room where you can bring grass and dirt and all that stuff in. So there's Boots in the locker room is one. There's also one where we allow phones in the locker room, but not cameras. And it's clearly on the fine sheet, Ben. So pay your fine. Well, we'll have to follow up and find out <laughs> what happened in this court case. Um, what's, uh, how was um, St. Louis treated um, you and your wife so far? Have you enjoyed the, your acclimation here? Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome. You know, I heard a lot of things about St. Louis in terms of when I was moving here, I had a couple of friends that have been from here. Um, and everyone told me amazing things about the city, but I truly didn't know until I got here. And my wife and I have been very, very surprised by the food, to be honest. It's a surprise. Yeah. It is good. It's, 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 it's much better than I really expected. Do you have a favorite or a, or a go-to at the moment? We really like Louis. Classic. Yeah. Um, and we enjoy going to the hill because we, we like Italian food a lot. So we'll be going there quite often. Fantastic. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for this season? Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, obviously you want to win a trophy, right? I mean, any kind of hardware for this club would be so impressive in its first year. Um, but really, I think making it to the playoffs. You know, I think if we can... If we can go to the playoffs, you've seen kind of the start of the season that we've had. Um, it puts us in a conversation that we're kind of a team to be messed with. So if we're able to make ourselves into the playoffs, I mean, MLS playoffs are such a crapshoot uh, in terms of how teams are able to play and play against each other. Usually somehow number one seeds end up losing early. So for us, 
getting into the playoffs and throwing our name into the mix of the hat is going to be quite quite the treat. Fantastic. And um, just a couple of questions, like for your sort of outside, uh, the, your outside. I was going to call it a side hustle, but I don't know whether side hustle is the right word. Um, but you uh, you have an active role in your spare time. Um, you're a MLS player representative, uh, and also I, I, you've got a LinkedIn <laughs> and wealth management on the LinkedIn. Is this uh, are you are you edging towards a career? Would you like a career in finance or like being a player agent at some point? But like, what's um, what is the role um, uh, being a player representative? What does that entail? Yeah, so kind of um, you're obviously the voice of the players for the club. Um, you kind of make sure that all the the standards around the league are being held. So whether that you know we have meetings uh, usually a couple times a year with the players union just making sure that everything's running smoothly because we have a CBA that things are being upheld um, by the club and with within the league written rules. And then um, you you are doing some additional studying. Further rumors about what are you studying? Yeah, so I'm getting my MBA. Where? At Indiana. At Indiana? Yeah, right now. So um, it was one of those things that I, I looked into quite extensively during COVID. Um being in New York and having opportunities to know a lot of people in wealth management, like you said, uh, being that I went to and got my undergrad in finance, it was just something that interested me. And I realized that it could have been a good opportunity during COVID. And then kind of circling back to the players union stuff, the players union opened up a partnership with Indiana this year. So once that kind of happened, I kind of decided to jump on board and finally go for it. Fantastic. And then uh, I'd like to end on uh, like maybe a little message to the fans. Um, they love you online. Uh, you can see that you thrill them on the pitch every week. You've even got your own fan account. Um, do think do you, do players notice things like that? And like, do you have a a, a message for the fans? Um, you know, moving forward about how your experience has been with them. Yeah, no, I think um, my message would be that you know it's been such a great welcome. I think for for myself, but for a lot of guys in the locker room that have said the same thing. Um, it's been very, very uplifting to be around a fan base that is so excited again. You know, I think I missed that uh, a lot in the last couple of years of my career. So it's kind of rejuvenated me in a way. So I, I really thank them for that. Fantastic. Well, um, that ends the show. Thank you so much for coming on. We were all really excited about this one and you've been fantastic. If you are listening to this on uh, your podcast channels, get on there, give it a five-star review, leave a nice message for Tim, and then hopefully he'll come back on the show again. Uh, and if you're watching on Apple TV, we'll be back with more episodes next week. Uh, so for now, thank you very much. Enough. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Of course. Ciao for now.